Good morning. Wow, it's good to be with you again today. Each week, there seems to be like there's so much that happens and transpires from one week to the next. It feels like, I know we started this like back March 15th. We were actually all here together. And it feels like that was months ago. Um, but just now, it's, it's a little over a month ago. 50 days, or over 50 days, we've been going through this. But the um, the effect, the toll, I think, that it's taking on us is is starting to starting to show uh, in that uh, everybody, I think, is anxious to get back together. Uh, let me say before we get started that we do have hope that uh, we could, we are, there is the probability of us getting back together on May 10th, uh, and we're for Mother's Day. We're excited about that opportunity. Uh, the sanctuary is being reconfigured, and uh, and and we are having to. We the one thing we have to continue to do is maintain social distancing, and that's six feet of space between peoples, between what we call family clusters or the people that you live with, the people that you're around all the time. You Obviously, you can sit together, you're around each other all the time, but there'll be six feet of separation between that group and other groups that you aren't normally around. So um, so anyway, we'll maintain that. And so we have to work to find a plan to make all that come together, but we are putting that plan together and I'm excited uh, about that possibility uh, coming. But today... And next week, we will be meeting as uh, as we did on Easter Sunday. We'll be meeting out in the uh, in the parking lot uh, and doing the drive-in. And as always, you can always just, wherever you are right now, we can continue to do this. We've been doing this all along. We've always had a live stream uh, since I've been here. And we, uh, we have enjoyed being able to communicate with people in that way. And, uh, and it's no substitute for us being together. No substitute for us coming together as God's people and having fellowship face to face, but it does give us the ability to continue to communicate God's word uh, in difficult times such as these. Immediately after the message, we have three different video presentations for uh, different age groups. The first video that you'll see at the end will be for very young children, uh, for our Wombaland kids, and then the next group will be then it will be for two different things for Upstreet kids. Uh, one for the younger kids in Upstreet, and then one for the older kids in Upstreet. So uh, if you're a parent and you want uh, a video opportunity, we'll, we'll make those videos available in other means uh, later. But uh, but it'll be part of the live stream this morning as soon as the sermon is over and we wrap everything up in prayer. Uh, that will continue to play if you're worshiping together with your kids. And I hope the kids will enjoy it. Again, we start with the youngest kids, and then the and then the next video will be for a little bit older, and the next video for preteen children. So uh, so I hope that you'll be excited about that. We're in the midst of a series called Finding Jesus. And is it's about finding Jesus in all the different circumstances that we face. We, we find him, we talked about finding him when he was in the garden and finding him when he was on the cross, finding him in the tomb. Last week, finding him in our doubts. Today, we're going to discover Jesus. We're going to find him in our daily life. In the things we do each and every day, things that are just uh, in the mundane uh, that we that we go through each and every day. You know, I don't know if you have ever uh, paid attention to uh, just Jesus appearing in different places in the very routine things that you and I do each and every day. But sometimes we think we go to church and this is where we experience Jesus or this is where we find him. And we go to some religious place or some holy place. I I remember traveling to the Holy Land and thinking, oh, this is going to be a place where I discover Jesus. But really, it is, it's in the everyday moments that we discover Jesus. We see who he is. It's when I'm stressed out at work. It's when I've had a really hard day with the kids. It's when I've, I've had uh, everything seems to fall apart or maybe everything's going amazing. Whatever the case, it's when you and I are just doing life, when we're just living life as God has called us to live it, Jesus shows up in those places. And that's where we discover, oh my goodness, he is there all the time. He's always with me. He's always around me. And and if I just paid attention, if I just looked, if I had just allowed him to catch my glance or, or capture my thoughts, I would have realized he was there the whole time, has been there the whole time. And, uh, and so today we're going to look at a an instance in the life of the disciples is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, he's made an appearance to them. They've seen him, and 
now they're just going back to life and thinking they can go back to life as normal. And I think sometimes I think that's going to be the big thing that we see in, in, in today's message is that a lot of times we think, oh, I can just go back to life as normal. Uh, after all this is over and I had this incredible, I've had some incredible moments with Christ or whatever, these mountaintop experiences. Now I got to get back into the normal sea of life. Or, or if our lives get torn up by some type of tragedy or destruction, as our lives are being torn up right now, all the things that are taking place, all the things that are happening, what's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with this? And what's going to happen with that? Am I going to get my job back? Am, am, am I going to be able to eat in a restaurant again? And all the different things that we're having to do differently right now, I think in our minds we envision a time when it goes back to a sense of normalcy. The reality is maybe God doesn't want you to go back to that. Maybe he's shaken up your life and allowed a lot of things to happen to say, hey, I didn't like the way you were doing this before. I want you to discover a new way to walk with me. I want you to discover that I, I, I really did call you to do something. I really did have something for you to do with your life. And, and now I want you to focus on that. I want you to realize that there was something more important than the mundane you had fallen into. So I've shaken everything apart. And now I want you to see the rest of your time needs to be for me. That's exactly what happened with the disciples. They had walked with Christ. They had seen him crucified. They went through this incredible emotional upheaval. They saw him resurrected, didn't believe he was resurrected, doubted that he was real. And then they started to slide back. It's like, whew, now that all that's over, let's just go back to what we know. Let's go back to what we used to do. And Jesus comes and just shakes all that up again uh, and reminds them, no, 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 no. I, all this has a purpose. All this has a reason. There's, there's a reason why I've allowed all this to take place. And do not go back to the way things used to be. We're going to look at John 21, 1 through 14. But before we do, let's take a moment and pray. Father, we just thank you, God, because you're such a great and awesome God. And I thank you for the way you reveal yourself through your word. And Lord, today, as we look at you interacting with the disciples, Lord, in this post-resurrection experience, Father, may we see ourselves. May we see ourselves trying to get back to work, trying to get back to doing things that we are familiar with. And Lord, may we see that there you are, there you are waiting for us to remind us that you saved us for a reason. Lord, you didn't call us out of darkness and into light just so we could be the same as we'd always been, just so we could continue to do the things we'd always done. Lord, you rescued us so that we could have a new life in you. And be used for your glory, for your purpose. And Lord, may we discover that today. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It starts with the thought of, I'm going fishing. Now, I don't know if you ever said, I'm going fishing. But typically, I, I get in my mind when I, say, when I see a sign, gone fishing, I see it on the sign of a business that is closed. And they put the sign up to say, I've had it with work. I'm going to go do something recreational. I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to get my mind off of this. And I know that's a temptation where a lot of us are is that uh, we, want to, we want to go fishing. It's a, it sounds like a good idea to do something. And maybe you're not a fisher, fisherman. Maybe you go golfing or, or you do something uh, or rec have some hobby or craft or go out to the workshop or do something just to get your mind off of this. For some people, it's work. For some people, it's uh, they get into, involved in some type of, uh, like to mow their yard or do, uh, do lawn care or gardening. But when we look at the disciples, when they say, I'm going fishing, they're actually saying, I'm going back to work because that's what they did for a living. This was their everyday get up, make a living routine. And so this is more like times in my life when I have, I remember when my father passed away and the devastation that took place in my life. And I remember the, the incredible emotional roller coaster that was, I was anxious after the funeral and you have this, you have all this time, you're, you're not at work, you're not doing your normal thing. You're dealing with all these different people. You have the, 
the planning of the funeral. You go through the funeral, and the funeral's over. You're trying to settle estate issues and things like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, let's just, let's just go back to work. And when you get back to work, then your mind can go back to life as it was before. Now, granted, there's this huge hole in your life, and you're just trying to be distracted. You're just trying to get busy so you don't have to think about the emotional strain that was on your life. And that's what the apostles were doing. They were just simply trying to go back to something that was normal, some sense of normalcy, something that we, they were familiar with, something to divert our minds away from all that's going on. And, and a lot of times that's what we were doing right now in and with all the things there. I remember when it, the virus thing first started, I remember I'd check news reports and, and statistics and graphs and charts and, and look at all the different things. And then for a while it's like, you know what, I'm just tired of that. I, don't, I just need a break from the news. I need a break from all the things that are going on and, and, and the culture of death that's been created around me. Where that's what we talk about each and every day. And let's focus on other things. Let's look at something different. But here's the thing. What really needs to take place is there needs to be a reminder of what I was put here to do. It's, it's amazing how you have this uh, really what's happening is is when a person gets saved, when they have this transformational experience, and maybe it's maybe it's they're rescued out of darkness and brought out of the light. Maybe you had a drug addiction and you were rescued from it and, and God set you free. Maybe you, you had, had some type of moral failure and then and then you have this moment with God and this, and this incredible turnaround. Maybe it was financial ruin and there was some type of, uh, you go from this incredibly low to an incredible high and so forth. But whatever the case, after all that settles down, I don't know if you've ever been to a revival service before, but sometimes we go to revival service and we have these incredible experiences. I was reading in my journal the other day about a revival we had several years ago and talking about all the people who were there and, and all the people who got saved and so forth. We did this thing at our church called Judgment House, and, and we remember hundreds of people came through, thousands of people came through, hundreds of people made professions of faith. But when all that's over, what do you do then? What happens at that point? Typically, people just go back to work. And sadly... Sometimes they just go back to the same life they had before, before they met Christ, before they saw the miracle of Christ, before they realized how that he was God, that he was Lord. And, and it's, it's in that crucial moment, kind of like the, the, the parable of the sower that Jesus tells us, when that seed has been sown, and there it is, and really needs to take root. That is that crucial moment before the birds come and snap it up or whatever that that we really focus on, okay, where is Jesus right now? Where is he right now? And what does he want me to do? Not to go back to listening to the voices I listened to before, not to going back to doing the exact same things I did before, but, but now that I'm a changed person, now that I've seen the goodness and greatness of God, where is he and what do I do? Look in chapter 21, verse 1. Chapter 21, verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other disciples, two others of his disciples were together. So Thomas, the one we just learned, who had doubted Jesus, uh, is there with him. So all these people have seen Jesus, know he's resurrected, and have just been in awe of this. Incre- they, they thought he was dead. Now he's alive. And this is what he says in verse 3. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. And what did they say in response? We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into a boat, to the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. So they go back to what they were doing and, they're, and have a bad day at it. It's not going the way they'd hoped it would go. And then verse 4, when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So here you have Jesus on the shore, but they don't know it's Jesus. So, so they're out doing what they're... And, 
And here's the thing. They're doing what they know how to do. Yet they don't see Jesus in it. And here's here's my takeaway from this. Jesus meets us where we are. No matter what your where your job is, no matter what you do for a living, uh, no matter what the mundane things you get wrapped up in, Jesus meets us there. Sometimes we think that in order to find Jesus, we've got to put on a backpack and and a some type of hat. I don't know what kind of hat. But you take off and you take off on this journey. You got to climb up a mountain, like you're going to find this guru on top of a mountain or something. But the reality is, Jesus meets us where we are. So look for him in your current circumstances. Just every day, take a moment and say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Now, it's something I've done for years, but I can still remember when I didn't do it. And that is every day, every day, I take time to read his word take time to go through some type of a devotional reading, I write in a journal, and I spend time in intercessory prayer. Those four things are part of my daily routine. But I can remember when they weren't part of my daily routine. And when they weren't part of my daily routine, I'll tell you what happened. I would see everything that was happening around me, but I wouldn't see Jesus in it. I'd be doing things, I would get busy, I'd be doing things for Jesus, I'd be talking about Jesus, but I wouldn't see him in it until I discipline myself to get into his word and take time to pray this prayer every day. Jesus, show me where you are. Reveal yourself to me and the things that are going on around me. Show me what you want me to see, what you're trying to communicate to me through your word and applying your word in the circumstances around me. And what I've discovered is something that people who had challenged me to do this, because it wasn't, didn't just think of this, this other people discipling me and mentoring me said, Troy, you should do this. And so I did. And here's what I discovered. He's always there. He's always at work around me. He's always somewhere in my daily life communicating with me that this is what I want you to do. This is or this is what I'm doing, and, and I want you to join me in it. Be a part of what I'm doing. You see, we get to thinking that uh, we've either he's forgotten us or whatever. But he's he's like a he's like a good parent. I don't know if you have children, but I have children, four children, and I have grandchildren. And um, I also had a lifeguard training when I was in college, and when I was a trained to do lifeguard training they you know you were trained to watch people in a pool and so forth and a different water setting and look for people who were drowning nobody had to tell me to do that or teach me to do that as a parent I naturally knew where my children were you're always looking scanning checking to see where they are I mean minutes minutes are huge difference we we think God forgets us for days or weeks or months but we would never can you imagine going like three weeks and you're like where's John we haven't seen him in a while or can you imagine forgetting where one of your children is after that much time can you imagine a parent forgetting where you are for weeks as a small child or as a toddler that doesn't happen obviously when we are in charge of, of small children we are cognizant of where they are almost every single minute and in the same way, God loves us. He is very well aware of where we are every single minute. And guess what? He's where we are. He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. He's just right there, waiting patiently, like, like watching kids distracted by, by a playground or watching kids distracted by a particular video or, or who are completely oblivious that we're there watching them, but we are there watching them whether they know we're there watching them or not. In the same way God is watching us, looking after him, he is where we are, so look for him. Take a moment and look around saying, Jesus, where are you? Look in his word. Jesus, show me where you are. If you will take the time to look for him, 
you will see him. You will find him. And why? That's our second thing. Because we're his friends. Friends uh, is a name that Jesus used to describe his relationship to his disciples. And when you and when you graduate to this place of friend with Jesus, uh, then what that means is is that now he doesn't just see us as being people who are. Um, um, he says, "I no longer call you slaves or servants. We're not just these." Robot, uh, robots in the church or whatever uh, that would just have to follow him and do what he says. No, he, he has a relationship with us. We've been invited into the friendship with God and, and, uh, and now we are part of that. And, and when we have this, we know relationships that are friendships because we have relationships that are friendships. And you know what it's like to have friends. These are people that you trust. These are people that you talk to. These are people that you share with. These are people you interact with. These are people you live life together with. You get excited to see them, and if, and if you go for a period of time without seeing them, uh, you don't. I I I always amazed at how strong the bonds of friendship are. I had a, a friend. I may have mentioned this before. I was at Buckeyes, and and uh, I had had a friend I had not seen for 25 years. For 25 years, did not anticipate did not anticipate seeing him in Buckeyes, but when I did, I immediately recognized him. And saw him, and look, and and here's here's what you do when you see a friend. You call their name. You call their name, because you know their name. And I call his name, he hears his name, recognizes me. I don't I he looks very similar to what he did before. I don't I don't think I look the same as he knew me twenty five years ago. But um but I saw him and immediately it's it's uh, this is pre COVID nineteen pre-separation of six feet and we embrace each other and are so glad to see each other once again invite him over to our house and we just pick up where we left off why because we're friends and we know each other and we had a bonded relationship we had we had gone through difficult times good times together difficult times together i'd helped lead him to christ i'd baptized him and uh, and helped disciple him early on in his christian faith and that's what friends do. This is the way it is when they recognize Jesus. When they see Jesus, they see their friend. They see their friend. Look in John chapter 21, verse 5. Now remember, they don't recognize him on the shore. Daybreak comes. They've been fishing all night, haven't caught anything. Jesus yells, friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Jesus is very well of their situation. He knows what's going on, and he is drawing them in. Verse 6. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Now, this is, an, this is something that's happened before. You see, when Jesus first met them and they were first learning who he was, this is how Jesus revealed himself to them. This is how when he tells Peter, cash on his side, and, and he does, and he catches all these fish and so forth, and, uh, and Peter tells him, he says, I'm not worthy of you. I'm an unclean man. Get away from me. And this is when Jesus calls Peter to be his disciple. Jesus is literally playing out this same set of events. Remember when I met you before, met you where you were working before? Here, I'm back again, and, and I want you to do these things. So all these things will become familiar. And the verse 7, it says, The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. He recognized him. You see what's happening, Peter? This is, this is, that is, nobody can do this. We remember this. This is Jesus. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the sea. This is such an incredible moment. He takes his garment, wraps it around him, and jumps in the water. He's 100, yard, 100 yards off uh, in, in the boat, and he's, and he's rushing through the water to get through. He can't wait to get the boat up there, to row the boat up there. He's got he's to just 
swim and rush up to the shore to see Jesus and then come climb out of the water. Have you ever seen somebody running in the water and then, and then pulling themselves with all their energy because he's so anxious to see him? Why is he so anxious? Because this is his friend. This is his Lord. He's so excited. He says, since they were not far since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, and other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. Just didn't care about uh, Peter. Didn't care about the fish anymore. He was all focused on Christ. Here's such an incredible truth from this. Jesus knows his friends. His friends know him. And when you see him. Run to him. Run to him. When you recognize that it is Jesus working in your circumstances, he's going to do something to get your attention. He's going to do something to draw you in. And when you recognize him, when you see that it is him, do not hesitate. Run to him. Run to him. There's been so many times of darkness in my life where I was like, God, I don't know whether you want me to do this. I don't know whether you're doing this. I don't see you in anything. And then and then all of a sudden, he reveals himself. I'm going to tell you, there's so many times when we believe God has forgotten us, when we've disappointed him so greatly that he, we think he, he can't use me anymore. I've, I've gone too far. I, I can't be used by him anymore. I had this great relationship with him. I, I, had, I knew him at one time. I was going to church. I, I was faithful in the word. And then I messed up. Or I just forgot about him. Or I made horrible choices. Whatever the case, you're in the same boat with Simon Peter. That's exactly what he did. He walked with Jesus. He had held great responsibility with Jesus and he had disappointed him bitterly denied him denied him in his hour of greatest need Peter denied Christ not once not twice but three times so much so that he wept bitterly and now he sees him again and when he hears Jesus call to him, friends, when Jesus reveals himself to him, and, and, and this is the thing, Jesus knows how to talk to you. He knows exactly what you need to hear in order to know that it's him talking to you. It won't be the same way he communicates with me. It won't be the same way he communicates with somebody else, but he knows how to show you that it's him talking to you. He knows how to reveal himself. He he usually will choose things that he's done before to show himself to you. Things that are familiar. Ways he's interacted in the past. So remember how I've talked to you? Because that's what that's what a friend does. And that's what a father does. That's what a parent does. He, he, you're learning, this is how I communicate with you. This is how I show you things. This is how I reveal things to you. We're here at this church now because when we were walking through the process of God, whether you want us to come here or not, he came to us in ways that were familiar to us, both me and my wife. We both needed to hear and we both needed to know this is what I want you to do. We're leaving our home state, coming out to Missouri, coming to a place we didn't know, never never thought about coming to, yet we feel drawn to come here, not because of anything great that was going on here, but because all of a sudden when we were praying to God and saying, God, if this is you, if this is what you want us to do, show us that it's you. Reveal yourself to you. I don't tell you, when, when he... When he affirmed to me that it was him, I can remember the hair standing up on the back of my neck. And it wasn't the, just the feeling that was. It was just, I'll tell you what, what the overwhelming feeling was. Is that it was God saying, I know where you are. I know what you need. And I'm going to give that to you. I want you to realize that I'm right here with you. And I'm speaking to you, and I have something for you to do. And I want you to know that it's me. And, and that's the most important thing. He wants us to know it is him. 
Jesus wants his disciples to know that it is him talking to them. And so he reveals himself in such a way that they know it's him. And when they know it's him, they don't run and hide. They run to him. Because if you know him, you know he loves you. You know he will forgive you. You know, when when you and I, when I hear people at times say that God's an unloving God, when that God doesn't forgive, or when they have all these weird thoughts about who God is and if God was real, he'd be like this. I know instantly, oh, they don't know him. They don't know him. <laughs> they've read about him. They've heard people talk about him. They believe lies about him, but they don't know him. They've never been his friend. They've never walked with him. I've never known anybody who knows him, who walks with him, who is his friend, who believes anything bad about Jesus, who doesn't understand that when you see him, you run to him and go to him. So when you see him, so look for him in your current circumstances, and when you see him, run to him. Leslie there is a number, 153, that we're going to talk about in the Word here in just a second. But let me tell you what the number 153 represents. Because if you Google 153 fish in John 21 or something like that, or if you try to look it up, you might discover some really weird mathematical equations trying to figure out why the number 153 is recorded. But I'm going to give you a simple explanation that I believe is exactly what John is trying to communicate and it is a detail. It's a detail. Let me tell you about details. Whenever you have, whenever you look for Jesus and you see him and you run to him and you have this experience with Christ, that moment freezes in time. When God reveals himself to you, all you know is, is that you are overwhelmed with the experience and those details stick in your mind. I can remember when I first gave my heart to Christ, I can remember where I was standing. I can remember the, our, the song, the pastor, our pastor leading the song and, and singing. I remember the revival speaker that week. It was a little revival. I was eight years old, yet it's a moment frozen time. I remember my mother was to my left. I remember we were singing Just As I Am. And we got to the second verse of Just As I Am. I can remember looking to my mother and looking at her and saying, I've got to go up there. And it's a weird thing because I'm significantly taller than my mother now. But I remember looking up at my mother and saying these words and her looking down at me and saying, then go. And, and I remember walking around the aisle and coming forth. I remember we were having this discussion a while back and she was saying, I, yeah, you, I remember you got saved and was given a diff, different details or things or whatever. And her details were different. She didn't remember the event. She didn't remember the person who was preaching. She didn't remember any of those things because it had been a long time ago. For me, I remembered exactly how everything was in that moment in time. Why? Because Jesus revealed himself to me in that moment. And it was such a powerful thing. I was soaking everything in that I, of, of everything that was happening at the time. And so it has been with subsequent times in my life. I can remember the, I share all the time about how my wife and I met each other, how he revealed to me that she was the one I was supposed to marry. Those details are very vivid and very specific because it was Jesus revealing himself in the moment. And that's what happens with John. He is in a very real revelatory moment where he sees Christ and he remembers the details. Look in verse 9. It says, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. See the details already. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Specific details. Now think, think about this a moment. So, I mean, you're saying, why, why is it 153? Think about it for a second. You're pulling the, this is an unbelievable catch of fish. How do we, how many, how many fish are there? How many fish could we have possibly caught? 
let's count them. And so they count the fish because they're so amazed. They haven't caught anything all night, and they have this amazing thing. They know it's a miracle from God, so let's count how many. It's like when you say, how many baskets did we collect after we fed the 5,000? 12. How many did we do when we fed the 4,000? 7. How, how do, do you remember those numbers? How could you not remember those numbers? Because it was a miracle right there in your presence, and it was Jesus revealing himself. And so they remembered exactly what he said and what happened. Then in verse 12, he says, Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, we said this last week. Something is is happening where they can't quite grasp that uh, the the appearance of Jesus isn't as they normally would suspect because they, they have a difficult time recognizing him. We aren't given much explanation as to why you couldn't just go, of course, that's Jesus. Look, that's him. You can see his face and so forth. We don't know. What, but that's not the point. The point is that he reveals himself and they said, and John is pointing out, none of us dared ask the question. Because think of it for a second. If someone had died and then you saw someone days, weeks later who reminded you of that person. It doesn't matter how much they look like that person. In your mind, you're thinking, it can't be that person because that person is dead. And so John is just simply pointing out, it was him. And we didn't even ask if it was him because he revealed himself so clearly, so intimately, that we knew it was him. And no one, and everyone there no, no, nobody, not even Thomas, nobody says, is that you, Jesus? Is this? Nobody's asking that question. Why? Because they know it is him. Now, here's something that Blackaby shares with us that I'm just going to re-communicate with you to, see, to remind ourselves how we find Jesus. So we're looking for him in our current circumstances. And I said, when you see him, run to him. But here's the thing to remember. Jesus speaks through his word, circumstances, the church, and prayer. You hear this? With the Bible as a foundation. With the Bible as a foundation, write down what he reveals. I mean, if you have a dream, don't assume that dream is from God. And don't write it down if you don't know it's from God. If somebody tells you something and it's really amazing and you think that must be from God, don't just assume it's from God. If you look at your circumstances and say, oh, do you see how this, these things are happening in a really unique way and so forth? I went through, I made one of the worst decisions of my life because I kept seeing this sequence of numbers and, and different things happening at different times to try to read into it that God was saying something through those things. But I was not taking it back to his word. The word and, and again, even the word itself, not pulling it out of context, not looking at a verse and, or closing your eyes and pointing to something and saying, but no, the, the message of the word as a whole, the thing, understanding what is God, because this is when you go to the word, you have to ask yourself, what is God trying to communicate through this book, through this author, through this passage? What is God trying to say with the context of all that I know and all the information I have? That's why it's always good to have friends. Another plug for the Finding Jesus podcast. This is the reason why we do the Finding Jesus podcast is because we're working through the word together, looking at what it says and trying to say, what is it really saying? What is, let's, let's try to understand Jesus in context through what these verses say rather than just randomly choosing a scripture. So, and when I pray and I have thoughts or emotions or a feeling that comes in, I, and I have people say, I had this really strong feeling that I needed to do this. Again, you take it back to the word, what God is trying to communicate. So with the, all, all this working in concert together, the Holy Spirit revealing his word in context through with the church, in, in, in unity with the church, in combination with circumstances, all these things working together. With the Bible as the foundation, write down what he reveals. If you sense Jesus is saying something, write it down. Write it down. If nothing else, write down what you think he's saying. 
And then ask him to affirm that or show that in other places or show that in other words. Many times I've thought, oh, this is what God's saying to me. And write it down and then days later go back and go, oh, now I've got greater clarification. This is what I believe God is uh, is saying to me and write that down. Writing down what God is saying helps us to continue to remember that we are never to go back to life as normal. Never. We are not normal. We have been changed. We've been infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. Our daily life, our daily walk is to be with Christ, empowered by His Holy Spirit, doing what He's called us to do. We are, we are never to be just satisfied with saying, I just want to get a job and have a family, white picket fence, two-car garage, have a dog, and, and just live my life and then retire and get to enjoy scenery and so forth. No. We've been commissioned by the God of the universe to tell people about the hope of Jesus Christ. And so we see him in our daily circumstances. He is saying, hey, 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 don't forget This is what he's telling Peter and John. He says, you guys are going out fishing. You forgot. I called you to be fishers of men. So do you remember back when this happened before? When I told you to cast your nets on the other side and showed you, I can give you fish all day long. I can bless your business all day long. I can make your business successful. I can give you lots and lots of money. I can do those things. But I'm not for the purpose of just you being successful in business. I want you to reach people. I want your business to be about reaching people for Christ. I want your life to be about reaching people for Christ. I want your parenting to be about reaching your children for Christ. If you want your children to play sports, want your children to play sports for the glory of reaching people for Christ. Expanding the kingdom. Seeing it as a ministry opportunity. Not because you want your kids to be successful in sports or you want your kids to be successful in academics or you want your kids to be successful financially. Dream for them that they will reach more people for Christ because we live in a lost and dying world that desperately needs the hope of Jesus Christ. And if you have it, then you need to share it. And that's why you were saved. That's why you were set free. That's why you're still here. You were redeemed for His purpose to be an instrument in His hand to be used for his glory. So do that. Look for him where he's at work. See, God, what do you want me to do in this day, in these circumstances, in this moment? How can we be used by you and shine for you? And then you'll see him. Look for him. Run to him. Listen to him. And then here's my word again then go bay. Go bay. I'm getting t-shirts made, I'm telling you. But the go, don't just stay where you are. Don't just sit idle. Don't just say, oh, yeah, I get it. No. Go and do it. Go and do it. In Luke, when Jesus was asked by this young religious guy, who is my neighbor? And Jesus shared with him the parable of the Good Samaritan. At the end of the parable, Jesus looked at him and said, and he said, so you get it? And he's like, yeah, I get it, I get it. And he says, go and do likewise. Go and do. That's what go bay means. Go and do. What I've shown you right now, what you, what you reveal, whatever you've gotten from me, it's not for biblical knowledge. It's not to puff you up. It's not so you, if, if, you're, if you're hearing my voice, if you're reading my word and I'm making something clear to you, I want you to go and do it. That's what he's saying. That's the invitation today. It's not to stay where you are. It's to go. Go away. Go and do. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great and amazing you are. And just pray, God, that we would do that, that we would go and do the thing you've shown us to do. Lord, we got, we're tempted to get back in life as normal. Lord, many people, Lord, have been forced to stay at home, been quarantined, been shut up in their homes and so forth, and forgot, forgot that we've been set free 
to do your will. And that doesn't mean we even have to leave. It means we have to find a way to be creative where we are given the circumstances we have. Lord, there's no circumstance that's going to occur in our life that alleviates our mission or relieves us of our call. The only way we are done finishing the commission that you gave to us is when you take us out of these bodies and give us new ones, when you remove us from this earth. But Lord, as long as we're here, whatever circumstances are given to us, we are to be a people on mission. And Lord, there's some out there who are just needing hope, who don't know you and need to know you for the first time. And God, I pray that today they'd realize they need to put their trust in you. They need to jump out of the boat, run to you and say, Jesus, I want to be your friend. I want you to be my friend. I want to be your friend. I want to follow you. I want to go where you would have me to go. Lord, there's no amount of sin. There's no amount of mistakes. There's no amount of failures. There's no amount of religious pride or whatever that can hinder us now being changed, used by you. Lord, you can make us new. So Lord, whatever whatever way we come to you today, whether we were faithful yesterday and we're going to be faithful again today, whether we were unfaithful yesterday and today we're going to be faithful, whether we knew you intimately or we, we never knew you before, Lord, may in this moment right now, may we all commit to be yours, to walk with you, to be your disciples, to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. And if we don't know what that is, may we just make a commitment to find out what that means. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've certainly enjoyed worshiping with you today. If we said anything or something or you just want somebody to talk to, we've got a thousand different ways to contact us. Daniel and I are both here uh, available for you to talk to you and to minister to you and Randy also. Um, we have email addresses, troy at fbcj.us and just put our first name at fbcj.us and you'll get us. Um, also, you can call the church office. Uh, my cell phone number is floating around out there in a lot of different places. Reach out to us. And, uh, and we will absolutely find a way to connect with you. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, awesome. If you could go to Facebook and like our page, that's a great encouragement to us. If you've never liked our page, uh, like our page. That's, uh, that helps us to know you're out there and that you appreciate what we're doing. Uh, if you could send us a positive message. This is one of those times we, you know, we're, not to say we need this, but Daniel and I are used to getting a lot of encouragement from people after the services and so forth. When we shake hands, we, that really that really boosts us. It, it helps us to just see uh, that we're connecting. And uh, and if it is negative, if it's something, you know, uh, Troy, your pockets were weird or something, I don't know, whatever, you, you can say that. But uh, but just uh, I was always taught for every negative thing you say, you should, you should say three positive things. But uh, whatever the case, just, uh, if you, just send us a comment on Facebook or text message or message us or whatever. Find a way to communicate with us. We're looking forward to seeing people in the parking lot and, uh, and hope you have a great morning. Don't forget, right after this, we have something for the young kids and then each additional age. And if you're not able to sit and watch it to, right now, uh, we will make it available at a later time. But uh, let me pray this out, and then we'll go straight to those kids' messages. So pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great you are. 
Lord, just uh, thank you for all the different opportunities we have to get together, for what we do on Wednesday nights, and our, our Zoom sessions, for we, uh, our meetings that we get to have, Lord, through Zoom, and, and uh, also through the podcast, Understanding Jesus, where we're just uh, and, and here right now. But Lord, wow, we look forward to getting back together, assembling together, Lord, to worship you face to face. Uh, I know that's that's what we you started that 2,000 years ago, and we just uh, I miss it. I know I know you will give it back. And so, Lord, now just be with your people. Lord, help us to be obedient to you. Lord, reveal yourself to us, and uh, in, in the daily life we are living, may we see you, may we find you, may we run to you, may we go right to you, and hear what you have to say, and then may we go and do it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.